Welcome to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. This show is created with the intention of helping others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping others in their own way. You may also hear me follow up with a guest I have hypnotized on an online edition of Love from the Hip, which is available on YouTube. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love. Love from the Hip. Hungarian-American psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi was a child during World War II who became quickly aware that very few adults could resume a happy life after enduring tragedies imposed by war. As a result, Mihai set out to make his life's work about discovering what makes people happy and what contributes to a life that is worth living. In his pursuit to understand the root of happiness, he did discover that money and material resources did not increase happiness. So in order to find out where in everyday life we really do feel happy, he conducted a study on artists, composers, scientists, and other creative minds. Mihai says that in the interviews he conducted, many alluded to ecstasy. Mihai explains that ecstasy in Greek meant to stand to the side of something. Then it became an analogy for stepping into an alternate reality. Mihai points out that even in studying other civilizations like the ancient Egyptians, for example, we know more about their ecstasies, like their pyramids, than we do about their everyday lives. He goes on to reveal how an ecstatic state affects our bodies and our minds. Mihai points out that our nervous system is incapable of processing more than 110 bits per second. So when we are involved in a process of creating something new, or in an ecstatic state, we don't have enough awareness left over to pay attention to our body. So we then don't notice if we are hungry or tired. Basically, our body disappears from our consciousness. Mihai says our existence is temporarily suspended. Many of the people he interviewed describe the experience of entering into this ecstatic state as a spontaneous flow. So he coined this notion, flow, in positive psychology. In his profound book, Flow, the Psychology of Optimal Experience, Mihai outlines his theory that people are happiest when they are in a state of flow. Flow, according to Mihai, is an intense focus and complete absorption into the activity at hand. You might say being in the zone or in the groove. Mihai and other colleges conducted 8,000 interviews with people from around the world, from Navajo shepherds to Himalayan climbers, and regardless of culture and education, they found that there are seven conditions that exist when someone is in flow. The first is an intense focus. The second, a sense of ecstasy. The third, greater inner clarity. The fourth, knowing the activity is doable. The fifth, a sense of serenity. The sixth, sense of time disappears. And the seventh is intrinsic motivation. Mihai explains that people will be in flow when challenges and skills are higher than average. He also says that in order to achieve a flow state, a balance must be made between the challenge of the task and the skill of the performer. If the task is too easy or too difficult, then flow cannot occur. Mihai's studies also revealed that people who experience more neuroticism or those who are more likely to encounter anxiety, worry, fear, anger, frustration, envy, guilt, and depression experience less flow in their daily lives. Reason being is that those with high neurotic behaviors have less motivation to become involved in activities and engage in life less. In contrast, those that exhibit more conscientiousness in their lives have more flow. Conscientious people are more able to flow because they are dedicated to mastering a skill or performing a duty well with the utmost diligence. 
According to Mihai, the how to put more of everyday life into the flow channel is the challenge. In order to find the flow in the unconscious conscious, action by itself is not enough. At the same time, finding flow on a task which you have no intention of doing is essentially adding more suffering. It is imperative to find activities that give one deeper meaning and purpose. Of course, the formula for flow involves being intrinsically motivated, partaking in an activity led by the heart. Being in flow is also being fully present and aware in the moment so that one can fully discover who they are, find peace and joy, build trust with their intuition, and live authentically. And with this newfound self-awareness, one can then go through life with all the right intentions, which creates room for all the right outcomes and opportunities to not only come in, but also to be achieved. Essentially, to be in flow or flow consciousness is when the ego is let go and the act or activity becomes greater than oneself, resulting in happiness. As Mihai says, people who learn to control their inner experience will be able to determine the quality of their lives, which is as close as any of us can come to being happy. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Michael Dash. He is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, mentor, speaker, and philanthropist. He will share how flow consciousness helped him on his journey. He will also reveal how he overcame his addictions and share processes in which one can use to change habits and behaviors. So stick around after this quick break. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast on Podcast One, Love from the Hip, and that's H-Y-P. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Michael Dash. He is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, mentor, speaker, and philanthropist. Hey, Michael, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I love that little flow jingle. That you have. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I figure it's, it's, it's on topic, right? <laughs> Perfect. You'll have to send me that. Okay. So where are you joining us from today? I am in Playa Vista, California right now. Oh, so plenty of sunshine. Yes, no complaints. <laughs> so I have to ask you, have you finally found happiness and something that makes your life worth living? Well, the interesting thing is I'm not a big believer in the word happiness itself. Uh, I tend to believe in fulfillment. Okay. I feel like happiness is, is one of those words that every person has a different definition to what happiness actually means. And what I am continuously on the lookout for is, is living a fulfilled life. And you uh, feel that you're doing that now? I, I do. I do. Uh, 
although I have changed my life completely. So I'm still in a transformational process mm-hmm. uh, of being in a, a corporate, you know, of, of being an entrepreneur and running a corporation for 11 years where I had 40 employees and I went into an office every day and I sold that business uh, last June. So for uh, um, really since January, I've been, you know, out with my book and building a new program. So I'm still learning and mm-hmm. still listening to uh, this new life of a solopreneur okay. uh, as an entrepreneur uh, and the fulfillment that comes along with it. So didn't, do you think that you are in though this flow state? with all the changes and opportunities. I, I am in the flow state. Uh, I, I would say by following the premise of what I learned flow is all about from the people that I learned from, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, the Flow Consciousness Institute and uh, Jackie Ketchell and Justin Farman, uh, who actually live in Santa Barbara. I met them in Bali three years ago. And the premise of flow being, if it's not a hell yes in your life, then it should be an F no. Okay. (laughs) Do. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I never thought of life like that. I never lived my life like that. I never followed that premise. But by making decisions in that state, you live an effortless life and turn over you know, the, uh, the the belief that everything works out at the right time for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Divine timing. Yes. So what are the biggest changes that you noticed about yourself that, that changed after being in flow? Well, first off, I was a very negative person. I was in this negative mindset from the things that had gone on in my life at the time. I was in a six-year legal battle with my ex-business partner. I was running a company that was actually running me. And I, anytime I would get a call from a client, I would be like, all right, there's, this is another problem. Mm-hmm. This Something negative is going to happen. So it was just a mindset that I was living, constantly living in of overwhelm, of negativity. And one of the first things that flow allowed me to do is to release that, to let go of it, to not be, uh, you know, to be much more optimistic versus pessimist. Mm-hmm. It really changed my attitude completely. And, and so when I wake up in the morning, if it's cloudy out, you know, I used to think, oh, it's going to rain today. And now I think, well, I see the sun breaking through the clouds. <laughs> Okay. But you hadn't ever been in that happy, well, you don't like to use the word happiness, but when you're not in that state where you're, you're experiencing positivity, it's actually hard to experience it, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. The last three years, I've, I've completely shifted the way I look at life, the way I look, the way I'm fulfilled, the way, and, you know, all these different things. Previous to that, I had a series of highs and lows that were much more challenging to manage. Mm-hmm. So I was in a euphoric state, like it was the best thing on the planet, like nothing could be better on earth, I'm the best ever, blah, 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 blah. And when I was in a negative state, I was very depressed, you know, very negative thoughts uh, that that surrounded me. And, and then it transferred to how I ran my life, my business, my friends, my family, everything. Okay. 
So are there any activities that you partake in to kind of sustain keeping in flow or self-care? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I would employ anybody who is listening to this broadcast right now is to go out and try a sound bath. <laughs> yes. I love sound baths. And previous my previous life, I would never be caught dead in the sound. Bath. <laughs> and so, you know, for, and for those who don't know what a sound bath is, there's usually a, a conductor instructor uh, who has large bowls, mm-hmm. and various other instruments, and they are playing, they, they, they have a tool that, you know, makes sound by rolling it around the bowl as if you would, could do with a, a glass of wine in your finger. For <laughs> yeah. It's and, absolutely uh, amazing. I agree. It's amazing. And it puts you in this, this kind of calming state where whatever has happened to you during your day, you can kind of release and let go and you're laying completely flat and it's almost, and you meditate to that music for 45 minutes to an hour. And you really come out of there completely refreshed, mesmerized with, with just a, a very calming aspect to your entire being. Yeah. really allows you to reset from whatever's happened to you in that day. So that's one of my favorite activities that I do every single week, at least once a week. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to get into your story more and where you were before flow, but we're going to have to take a quick break. Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep, sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at asteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A, care.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Don't forget to tune in right here on KKNW every Wednesday at 2 to 3 p.m. for more Love from the Hip. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Michael Dash. He is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, mentor, speaker, and philanthropist. And if you are struggling to overcome a habit or behavior and would like more insight from Michael, feel free to call 1-888-298-KKNW or 425 425- Three seven three five five two seven. So, Michael, prior to flow, I understand you had some addictions. I was wondering if you could walk us through your journey. Sure. I was introduced at eleven years old at Thanksgiving dinner with my family to gambling. 
by my uncle, my favorite uncle. Well, he was my favorite uncle, but I <laughs> and he would always, every year that we gathered, he would always be glued in front of the television watching the football games when the rest of the family was in another area of the kitchen and living room congregating. And so I would always be interested in why is he so enthralled in this game and everything. And then he told me, you know, he had gambled on the game. Hmm. And he took out this little sheet that he had in his pocket and it had all the football games listed there with the spreads. And for the spread is basically the point spread between the favorite and the underdog mm -hmm. and select either the favorite or the underdog and whoever won, they would have to cover that point spread. So he explained to me that if I got $10 from my parents and was able to circle four games correctly, that I would actually win a hundred dollars. <laughs> wow. So to me, that was the most exciting thing ever. I was 11 years old. <laughs> right. So I, I ran over to my parents and borrowed $10 and I told them it was because we were getting hoagies or sandwiches, you know, the next day, cause we were staying with our uncle that night. Mm -hmm. The worst thing that could have happened to me did, I, I actually made those bets and I won at 11 years old, a hundred dollars. Oh, wow. So that started what ended up being a 20 year gambling addiction where I gambled and I thought about and gambled every single day of my life multiple times a day. When I was at work, I was thinking about gambling. When I was at home, I was thinking about gambling. When I was with family, I was, all I could do is think about gambling. And at, at a certain point after gambling for like 10 years, after I went to college, gambling wasn't high. I wasn't getting high enough from just gambling. And that's when I was introduced to cocaine. Huh. Okay. And gambling and cocaine were a, a really lethal mix for me um, because I used them together all the time for years. Hmm. So those were two of my earliest addictions and harshest addictions. Gambling was a daily thing. Cocaine was all every weekend. And I would be in New York City after I graduated college and I would be out, you know, in my early 20s, New York City, top of the world, have a good job, making good money. And I'm with my friends on a Friday or Saturday night. And we're at a, at like a club in New York city at a table with bottle service and, you know, surrounded by beautiful women. And I would lie to my friends and tell them I was leaving and I needed to go meet an ex. Mm -hmm. I wasn't actually meeting an ex. I was leaving that whole scene so I could go home in my own apartment. I could pop open the computer and gamble on party poker, which is online poker while doing cocaine alone till like three, four in the morning. Oh, wow. That's how sick yeah. I at the time. And that's how out of control the, the, the addictions were for me. Yeah. And, and so then what was going on in your life at that time? Was there anything, any tragedy that you were trying to work through or trauma? No, no, there was no tragedy. There was just, you know, a reckless 20 year old who thought he was a hotshot, who had a huge ego, who wanted to be the life of the party. 
And, you know, one thing I was always good at was my job. I was always good at sales. I could always sell anything. Yeah. Uh, and so I, whatever company I was with, I was at the top of, of sales and, you know, that's where you make good money. So I was making good money, but I was pissing it all away. Excuse my French. Was it uh, affecting your job at all? It wasn't affecting my job because the one thing I was able to do is focus on my job. Throughout all of this, I got a high from closing a sale. Mm, okay. And this is like gambling got me high mm-hmm. and as doing a line of cocaine got me high, closing a sale, I got that same euphoria from. Okay. So I always was doing it. So it didn't affect my job. I was always responsible from that standpoint. And I always knew I needed money to keep gambling. I needed money to be able to afford buying cocaine. I need money for those things. And so the pursuit of money allowed me to pursue that party lifestyle, those drugs. And, you know, I had further addictions down the road after I had gotten a handle on those two addictions specifically. What did you move in from there? So after I stopped gambling, I went to Gamblers Anonymous, basically just because I was curious. I found out my brother was going and I was shocked that he was going and I wanted to understand why. So I went to Gamblers Anonymous, not thinking I wouldn't gamble again, but just thinking, uh, what is this Gamblers Anonymous all about? Mm hmm. I walked in, I remember being surrounded by a bunch of blue collar people and I thought they were all degenerates. But by the end of that two hours, I actually realized I had more in common with all those people than some of my closest friends. Hmm. I started working the program and was able to overcome gambling and I'm now 14 years clean from my last bet. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. I also was able to stop doing cocaine after I moved out of New York City uh, uh, because it it, it was surrounding me there. However, when I left New York City, I followed a business opportunity to Salt Lake City, Utah. And that's where I opened my recruiting company, which I had for 11 years. While in Salt Lake City, I was introduced to Adderall. And Adderall was one of the worst if not the worst addiction I had because I took it every single day and it affected my emotional state, which then affected how I treated other people, which affected how I led my company and interacted with my employees. And for those who don't know what Adderall is, it's similar to Ritalin or any uh, pharmaceutical or pharmaceutical drug that you need a, you need a prescription from. It's an amphetamine but doctors will prescribe it to you if you have ADD or ADHD, attention deficit disorder, uh, which I did have, but I kind of made up all these symptoms so I could get a prescription from the doctor. Wow. I've, I've heard that it's actually similar to meth, Adderall. It is very similar to meth. And what and it does to the brain and the body. You get this huge rush and... There's no doubt that it can help you focus and you can get a lot of work done and a lot accomplished in a short period of time, which is what attracted me to it first, because I could outproduce everybody on it. Mm-hmm. It definitely accelerated whatever emotional mood I was in to the 10th degree. Okay. All right. Well, I want to get into how you overcame Adderall, but we're going to have to take another quick break. On this weekly skinny, I would like to talk about meditation. 
as if anyone needed an additional reason to meditate. But according to Kaylee Fasanella, in an article she published in Allure, meditation is also good for your skin. In the article, Fasanella explained that after failed attempts to manage her red, itchy skin flare-ups due to her rare and chronic skin condition called Netherton syndrome, she decided to get really serious about meditation. Fasanella claims that meditation improved her skin within just four weeks. She began her new meditation routine with just minutes a day using the Headspace app. In the first week, she did not notice much change at all. Midway in her second week of meditation, however, she suddenly began to notice subtle changes in her skin. Her complexion was less red, yet still pink, and she had less of an urge to scratch her face. Mind you, Fasanella did not change her diet or sleep routine, she purely added in meditation. By the third week, Fasanella noticed even more improvement and was up to five minutes a day in her meditation practice. By week four, Fasanella noticed more significant improvements, overall less redness and irritation. In addition, the itchiness or pruritus had subsided. Fasanella documented the changes in her skin over four weeks with photos, which she displayed in the article. She is now a big believer in the power of meditation and how it can change the skin. So how does meditation work to improve one's skin? Well, we know that meditation reduces negative emotions and stress. And as it turns out, chronic skin conditions worsen when stress is at an all-time high. A study done at the University of Sheffield showed that people suffering from psoriasis who listened to meditation tapes healed four times as fast as non-meditators. The study not only showed how meditation reduced stress that caused the psoriasis in the first place, but it also triggered the body's innate ability to repair itself. Meditation also slows down the aging process. The mindful breathing that occurs during meditation can increase oxygen and consequently boost cellular health. It is said to improve complexion and slow down aging, essentially from the inside out. In addition, meditation has been shown to improve one's mood and confidence, which as a result gives one that glow. So aside from using an effective clinical skincare line, maintaining a nutritional diet, and a living a healthy lifestyle, meditation is also a great addition to your at-home skincare regimen. And best of all, it costs nothing. Welcome back to Love From The Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And feel free to email me at sakura at lovefromthehip.com with your comments, your criticisms, your questions, and well wishes. Let me know how I am doing. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Michael Dash. He is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, mentor, speaker, and philanthropist. So, Michael, you were on Addicted to Adderall. So how long was that addiction for? About seven years okay. on a basis. And how did you overcome that? Uh, by accident. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like gambling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although gambling, I intentionally went to a meeting, even though... It wasn't my intent to stop gambling. With Adderall, I actually ran out of my prescription. Oh. I remember walking into the office one morning and I had this routine where I would drink a large coffee and then I would open my desk drawer and I would have my Adderall pills in there and I would pop one. So I got there one day and went to take one of my pills and I was out. I was completely out. So I called my doctor in a little frenzy in a frantic, I should say, and left a message. It was like eight o'clock in the morning that I needed to refill my prescription, call me immediately. Well, the hours went by and they still had not called by lunchtime. And I was sitting there, every call coming in, I was hoping would be the doctor. Mm. That's how like, that's how out of control it was because in my mind, I couldn't function without it. Right. 
actually tied functionality to Adderall. Okay. Huh. Without it, yeah, I had brainwashed kind of myself that I wouldn't be able to work or act like normally. So, so at 12 noon came around and they still hadn't called back. So I got in my car and I drove a half an hour to the doctor's office trying to see the doctor. And when I got up to the receptionist and she realized it was me and she had heard my message earlier and they were just really, really busy and didn't have a chance to call me back. They basically said to me, Michael, you know, we got your message from early this morning. The doctor's book solid. He's book solid for the next three days. We're sorry. We, we can't help you. And I'm just like, you don't understand. I ran out of my prescription. I need to refill this prescription. You know, I can't get through the day without this drug, hmm. without and like I could tell by the looks I was getting that they were like uh, you might have a problem right um, they didn't say that but I felt it you know how you can feel somebody's mm -hmm. and what they're saying through their glare yes that, that's kind of how I felt when I went back to my car in the parking lot I remember sitting in the car completely dejected and kind of in a little bit of a panic as to what I was going to do for the next three days. Mm -hmm. When I realized there was nothing I could really do and then I was kind of acting irrationally, um, it really kind of hit, hit me like, okay, you, you have an issue. Mm -hmm. When I thought about that morning and everything that I had done, just in that morning to get this pill, yeah. I really was out of control. So for the next three days, I, I had no Adderall and my employees actually started questioning, like, are you okay? Like, because I, and the reason they were doing that is because I was in much more of a collaborative manner with them. I was actually mentoring them instead of chastising them for mm -hmm. mistakes that were happening. We were actually collaborating solutions. In other words, I was actually being a leader. Right. Like, which I was supposed to be every single day as an entrepreneur, but I wasn't acting the part and I wasn't, uh, you know, conscious enough to recognize that my behavior before was a little derogatory, a little, you know, um, not supportive in the way that I should have been. And over those three days, it just completely changed the dynamic of my interactions with my team and the solutions and that's when I recognized, you know, I'm not doing this drug anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it anymore. And, and I haven't done it since. Now, I will tell you, it definitely had a physical impact on me. I was going to ask, yeah. Yeah, it definitely had a physical and mental impact, like just quitting cold turkey like that. Right. It's not like a suggestion if you're on a specific medication to just quit cold turkey. There are other ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not, uh, um, I am not uh, equipped to give that specific advice. However, for me, what I experienced was um, that physical uh, level of, of energy was a lot lower. So my coffee intake went up a lot, but mm -hmm. certainly would rather drink more coffee than be tied to a drug for the rest of my life that was actually negatively impacting my behaviors and it was causing increase. It was just causing a complete up and down type of manic behavior and feeling that I carried around with me all the time. Yeah, that's a lot. 
So what do you think or what did you learn was the spiritual, emotional, or mental reason for all of your addictions? Was there an underlying reason? I believe that most people are drawn to specific addictions because we use it as an escape. And it's an escape from our reality. And we're usually running from some sort of emotions, mm-hmm. some sort of wound, some sort of, you know, maybe something happened to us in our childhood. There was some trauma in our lives, or we just aren't equipped to deal with our emotional state. And so to not have to deal with our emotional state, we run to an addiction. It could be gambling. It could be drugs. It could be shopping. It could be eating. It could be pornography. It could be, there are so many addictions out there and so many people suffering that, um, that, that it's really scary. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of it is also driven by ego. You know, what I found in the entrepreneurial world is that, you know, addiction is a huge problem and, you know, people won't confront it or speak about it because they, their ego is in the way. At least mine was at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't admit to anybody that I had any sort of problem because I was too arrogant. And you feel alone in that sense too. A hundred percent. And you're, it's leads to isolation, mm-hmm. leads to, you know, lack of connection, lack of connection can completely lead to depression and then suicidal thoughts. And, you know, it just go, gets goes worse. on and on. Yeah. So do you think with all your addictions, it sounds like you really wanted to close the sale. That was important to you. And it sounds like these addictions kind of helped you to do that. And you were very hyper-focused. So was that the appeal then of flow consciousness? Because essentially that does the same thing. Not really. Um, I, when I went to Bali three years ago and I heard these two people, Justin and Jackie, talk about flow, I thought it was complete BS. <laughs> I resisted every word of it. You know, when they would talk about manifestation, like I never used that word, um, like manifesting. Mm-hmm. I never used that word up till three years ago. To me, like it would be like my belief was if you work hard, good things happen. Hmm. Not that I can go manifest my future and make this happen. Right. Speak it. It's going to happen. I didn't believe in any of that. Like, I like they believe in synchronization. Like, there's there's certain events that occur in your life that are synchronized together, and they happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I was born and I was raised to believe that that's called coincidence. <laughs> right. 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 So I just didn't believe in these things. But when I heard them, and I resisted hard, and I had a conversation with these people. I still don't believe them. But when I flew back from Bali to the United States, I remember on that flight, just thinking to myself and repeating the phrase over and over, would it be so bad to live a different way? Mm-hmm. And I was in such a negative mindset at that time. And I felt so heavy and burdened by the challenges in my life that I created. See, what most of us uh, you know, don't want to face is that the problems in our life, 99% of them are self-made. Right. We, we build them ourselves. And I am certainly a perfect example of that. So when I went over 
And when I continued uh, to think about would it be so bad to live a different way on that flight, I started feeling lighter. And it just felt, well, the, the answer, of course, was, oh, no, absolutely not. It would be amazing to feel a different way. Right. And that's when I decided to push my ego aside, not focus on how much money this course would cost, uh, because it wasn't that much in the big scheme of things. It was like $1,000. And just to, to take the course and drop anything I previously thought, all of my you know, uh, all of my opinions about it, the fact that I think that it's BS, it's not going to work. I dropped all of that, mm-hmm. dropped my ego, and I took the course. And that's when I started being able to adopt some of their practices and saw them in action. That's awesome. Well, I hate to interrupt you, Michael, but we're going to have to take a quick break. So everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H.com. Men, care for your skin properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers their Gentleman's Groom Clinical Facial designed for your rugged skin. A deep cleansing clinical facial is like a one, two, three punch to wrinkles, age spots, and problem skin. Tame those brows, ears, and nostrils. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com If you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project, you'll want the team of Stone Resources on your side. Safely, effectively, and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425-754-6792. That's 425-754-6792. Stone Resources. We make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us. 425-754-6792. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast on Podcast One, Love from the Hip, and that's HYP. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Michael Dash. He is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, mentor, speaker, and philanthropist. So, Michael, through all of your experiences, I understand you came to write your book, Chasing the High. And I also understand you have a program called the Fate Series. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So Chase, after 
I, I started talking about my story, I, you know, several people mentioned to me, you know, you should really write a book. You should talk about this more. And uh, I, I decided that that was a great idea. So that's what I did. And in Chasing the High, I really talk about my struggles and my journey through addiction, uh, entrepreneurship, lawsuits, uh, and uh, my journey to the edge. And basically all the mistakes that I made, I talk about, as well as the lessons learned along the way. And there's some really great nuggets in there that others have told me they've been able to incorporate into their lives um, to get away from compulsive behaviors, uh, such as one of the chapters is called The Habit of Habit Making. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's very important in all of our lives to have strong habits. But, you know, the, the whole goal in life is that as we make mistakes, as we continue to go through life, as we learn our lessons, we incorporate what we've learned into our life and continue to evolve as humans. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with our habits. As we evolve as people, our habits are going to evolve as well. The same habits I had, even though they're positive five years ago, you know, some of those don't resonate with me five years later. So it's important to continue to be curious about things. And, you know, I call it the power of curiosity. I think it's one of the most undervalued things that we have because as, as children, we're born as curious little creatures. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll put mud in our mouth because we just don't know any better. Right. <laughs> right. You know, we want to know what it is. But we, as we, you know, get a job, as we, you know, grow up and, you know, we become like much more robotic and the creativity in our mind, a lot of us, it, it goes away. We just go get into this routine and we stay with it all the time and it becomes very monotonous. Mm -hmm. Continuing to be curious and trying activities that maybe you haven't tried before, but because you heard an opinion about it, you stayed away from it. But that specific activity, whatever it might be, just because it doesn't resonate with your friends or your family doesn't mean it won't resonate with you. <laughs> Perfect example of that for me is meditation, sound baths, you know, these uh, breath and breath work, those three things. I would get opinions from people, oh, don't try that breath work. It doesn't work. It's like a waste of your time uh, until I actually tried it myself. And it actually resonated with me. And it just proved to me that I need to try things out for myself. And when they provide value to me and they are able to keep me focused and it's positive, incorporate it as a habit. And that's the whole process of the habit of habit making, mm -hmm. continuing to build those habits. I've developed, uh, you, you had mentioned the, the, four-step process before or you had mentioned fate. So fate stands for F-A-T-E from addict to entrepreneur. Huh. So I have a platform and one of the pieces is I interview former addicts who are now entrepreneurs and built multi-million dollar businesses. And we discuss the similarities between addicts and entrepreneurs because there are a lot. And the other is a 10 week mentoring program that I am working with leaders, entrepreneurs, who are challenged with compulsive behaviors that are holding them back from being the leader that they want to be. Mm -hmm. 
And whether that's a leader in the office, leader in their household, leader in their communities, whatever it may be. So over the years, I've gone to the anonymous programs. I've had mentors. I've had coaches. I've gone to retreats. Like I've literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to find like the genius solution. Mm-hmm. And there really is no one solution. There are several solutions out there. What has worked for me is I developed a four-step process. It starts with self-recognition. It then taps into that power of curiosity. It takes that curiosity and puts it into action. And then that action leads to connection. And when you have connection, then you can build community. And then you can have like-minded individuals who you can count on for support when you're going through those trying times in your life, in your business, in your marriage, in whatever it may be. Hmm. So I actually have a, uh, if anybody's interested in your audience, I actually put together a free webinar where they can uh, learn everything about the process and how to really integrate into it. And I'm also uh, running a free seven day fate Facebook challenge that will be coming out in one week. And uh, we can leave those details uh, in the show notes, I guess. Uh, but if they wanted to check the- Yeah, uh, go, web- ahead and, go ahead and give that to them right now. Sure. So the webinar is just michaelg-.com forward slash fate, F-A-T-E. Okay. And the book, Chasing the High, you can find at chasingthehighbook.com. It was an Amazon bestseller. And I've been getting some great feedback and, you know, really just want to get the word out there that there are other options to these compulsive behaviors and that we're building a community to support and uplift each other during these trying times. That's wonderful. So what is one takeaway for my listeners that are maybe personally struggling, struggling to overcome an addiction or have a loved one that is in the fit of it? The first step is, is recognition. You have to recognize that you need help. And a lot of that has to, has comes to, you know, putting your ego aside, getting your ego in check. And it's, we all need help. The problem is sometimes, especially if you're a leader or something, you're afraid of being found out. You're afraid of showing any weakness, you know, and you don't even have to be a leader for that. It could just be like the, the, relationship that you might be in. You don't want to show weakness. You don't want anybody to see that. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's number one. And the other thing is that change is really actually very easy. We convince ourselves it's hard because we equate the change to what we want the result to be. But the actual change itself is extremely easy and anybody can change right now. Mm -hmm. It takes work to get the result of the change, but the change itself can occur very easily. And there are tips in my book and tips in this program that can help people walk through it. Well, that's awesome. Well, having endured what you have, would you do it all over again? There are certain things I (laughs) would do a little differently, but I don't like to look back and have regrets. Everything I did has led me to this point. I've learned a lot of valuable lessons and, you know, I truly feel that I've been called and put on this earth to have an impact on others and to help others also have the courage to take that first step and make that change. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here, Michael. Thank you so much. I appreciate it and appreciate your audience. Thank you. And thank you, Eric, my phenomenal producer, and you, the listener, KKNW, KBKW, and Cape Town Zone Radio. You can find me at sakurasutter.com. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode of Love from the Hip. And don't forget, stay kind out there, stay true to you, and make self-love contagious. Go ahead, I dare ya. Microneedling is a revolutionary treatment that can help reduce the appearance of acne scars, fine lines, pigmentation, wrinkles, even improve the appearance of stretch marks by stimulating collagen and elastin. Sakura Skin and Mind specializes in this procedure that jumpstarts your body's natural healing process. Sakura Skin and Mind believes in not only keeping the skin up to date with the latest trends in the skincare industry, but also keeping the skin beautiful, fast, pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com.